The following is a presentation of the All Andy Alford Network, powered by Anchor. You are listening to Andy tonight on the plethora of platforms on the Anchor Network, whether it be on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Bleaker. However you listen, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so much for tuning into the program tonight. You can always be a part of our show by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyElford. It is at AllAndyElford and Facebook.com slash AllAndyElford. We're going back outside. The 2021 Toledo Walleye Winterfest has arrived, and AllAndyElford has you covered. Two big games in the ECHL as the day after Christmas, the Walleye take on the Kalamazoo Wings. And on New Year's Eve, the Fish play host to the Indianapolis Fuel. Listen for all the updated standing stats as well as action on the ice. Winterfest starts this Thursday and goes until after the new year. Follow the show on Twitter. It is at AllAndyAlfred as well as on Facebook.com slash AllAndyAlfred. The 2021 Winterfest coverage right here on All Andy Alfred. We're back. The Lions are back. Absolutely dreadful in mile high. The Browns find a way. Take out Lamar. And now have, I believe, momentum in the AFC North. But COVID has now bit the Browns. We'll talk about that. Week 14 of the NFL was a dandy of one. Two overtime games and a surprise we'll talk about as well. Army-Navy ends the regular season. Bowl games are right around the corner. So we also have our Heisman winner announced. We'll talk about that. The Jackets headed into the Great North. I'm talking about Seattle on Saturday. And get the job done. After all, they failed last week against Anaheim and even Toronto. While the Walleye are in Iowa. We're in Iowa this past weekend. We'll talk about their games. We'll also talk about Winterfest, which kicks off on Thursday. You just heard the promo. We'll talk about all the events. And an Andy Rance tonight that you would want to turn up and listen into tonight. The holidays are around the corner. We're 11 days away from Christmas. No gifts are open yet, but you can open up a bag tonight. Because it's all Andy Alfred. Guess who's back? All Andy Alfred. And a shot at a goal. 54 runs in the span. I'm going to get shut out. Dumbino hit to a home run. Go home, Jack. That's way back. Put some extra relish on my hot dog. Bear down, Chicago Bears. Choo-choo, it's time for all Andy Alfred. 
And with that, I say, ah, I love you guys. And welcome in to another edition of All Andy Alfred right here on your exclusive home for me. That is the Anchor Network. And you are listening to me tonight on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network. Whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, from the bottom of my heart, thank you, thank you for giving me your time and your effort to hear what's happening in the world of sports as well as what's happening in my life. You can be a part of the show by following us on Twitter. It is at all Andy Elford. It is at all Andy Elford, as well as Facebook.com slash all Andy Elford. So welcome into the program tonight on this, the 14th day of December 2021. A lot to get into tonight. Of course, we're going to talk about the walleye and the big Winterfest events that begin on Thursday down at the ballpark. Yes, the ballpark. We're playing outdoors at Fifth Third Field. We'll talk about all the events that are coming up for that. Also, we'll dive into the walleye as they were in Iowa, the Battle of the Heartlanders. We'll dive into their games as well as talking about tonight's big game. The Jackets are on the ice tonight. They will take on the Vancouver Canucks at 10 o'clock Eastern. I've got the coffee already brewing. We're going to be up late tonight doing the podcast, and we're up late doing and recapping the Jacket games as they went into Seattle this past Saturday night to take on the Kraken. We'll talk about that. Also, we will dive into the big Army-Navy football game this past weekend, which ended the regular season in college football, and that now leads us into bowl season, which begins this upcoming Friday. And we'll talk about some of the bowl games that we're looking forward to as well. And last week on our show, we broke down all the bowl games, and you heard all my predictions. We're going to replay that for you guys for the bowl games for this upcoming week. Uh, And we'll dive a little bit more into a couple of the bowl games, especially this upcoming week. Also, an Andy Rance tonight, you you don't want to miss a very interesting discussion by yours truly tonight. So welcome into the program tonight. We're going to start off with the National Football League. And we're going to start first and foremost with the team out of Detroit, which is the Detroit Lions. Now, the Lions coming off of their huge win this past, not this past Sunday, but the following previous Sunday, as they took on the Minnesota Vikings, getting their first win of the season. They improved to 10-1-10-1. And then this weekend, they headed into Mile High to battle the Denver Broncos. I knew we weren't going to win this game when I heard about the sadness of uh, Demarius Thomas. After hearing that he passed on and having most of the team that was with him when he played there, I knew they were playing for a mi- on a mission, and they were playing for him. And our thoughts and prayers are with his family uh, in this terrible time. And, you know, and his team was there to rally. And the team that they had to pick apart was you know, the Lions. The Lions were sitting ducks in this game. Absolutely sitting ducks. They honored Demarius Thomas by wearing the number on the game, on their jersey, on their helmets. And, and the Broncos pretty, 
pretty handily beat us. It was not that much of a contest uh, as the Lions fell to the Denver Broncos, giving Denver their seventh win of the season. They're now 7-6 as they beat the Lions 38-10. Now, when we look at this game, okay, Jared Goff, decent. He played decent. I'm not going to criticize him now. Not going to criticize him now. He's 24 for 39 for 215 yards, one TD, one interception in the game. That was a good outing for Jared. I I, I, I kind of liked it. I liked his performance. I loved his gutsy play calling. You know, and Campbell is, it, he's not growing on me. You know, Caldwell grew on me. I, I kind of knew what he was going to draw up. Campbell is not the same. He is not. And... Uh, I, I just don't know. I, I just don't know if this is our guy. I just don't know. It's a he he is just a mess. He is he is what the the solidify of Katy Perry's hot and cold of a coach than I have ever seen in my entire life. The play calling is a mess. He can't I, I I just don't know how much more I could take as a Lions fan with him in the head of the regime. I, I just really don't know. I really don't know. It, it, it's, it's twofold with the Lions. One, it's, it's the ownership. I, I, the force have just got to get out of this franchise they just do if they get out we will start to win football games i'm just sick and tired of it and i'll give you this too okay i'm gonna give you this i'll be i'll be ballsy enough to say this there was video that surfaced of course of the when the lions won over minnesota and the mary ford the new ownership, hugging Campbell and jumping up and down and everything like that. Why are you doing that? For the love of God, Mary, it's just one win. I understand that. I understand that. You won a game against Minnesota who was injury prone the entire time. You win it in a walk-off fashion. The only teams that could do that that are really allowed to have a walk-up is the team that's across the street from your pathetic football stadium, and that's the Detroit Tigers. The Tigers can walk off and be fantastic. Hell, if if Detroit, the Red Wings, could score with in a shootout, that's a walk-off. That's fine. You're the Lions. You need to really really evaluate if you're the right fit for this job they are and you are not sell the team sell to the illegis sell to the sell the team sell to the Illages. That's one. Two. Campbell. 
like I said, the epitome of Katy Perry's hot and cold. One minute he's in a good mood, calling good plays, calling the right positions for on the offensive side. The next minute, I don't know what the hell you're calling that play for. I, I just, oh, he is just, he is the epitome, the epitome of coaches for dummies books that they sell out. Plain and simple. He doesn't know whether or not to use the run play, running backs. He doesn't know whether or not to throw the football. He doesn't know whether or not to wipe his own ass. The franchise is not the right fit for Campbell. I'll give him one more year. Two years minimum for me. Two years minimum to turn the ship around. If you don't turn the ship around... It's ownership. That's what it is. It's not the GM. Because we got rid of that bum. It's ownership and coaching. That's what it's all about. If the Lions want to win football games, they need decent coaching and ownership that's going to want to spend money instead of spending draft picks. And the Ford family doesn't do that. They just invest in the future and sell it off. Invest in the future, sell it off. Just like their cars. Invest in the future, sell it off. The only difference between a Ford car and the Detroit Lions, well, it's both the same. They're both damaged goods. Both damaged goods. So Goff, 24 for 39 for 215 yards, 1 TD, 1 interception. Reynolds, 11 carries, 83 yards. Bouquet, 8 carries, 25 yards. St. Brown, 8 catches, 73 yards. The catch it was for, to Raymond, 4 catches, 31 yards. He had a TD in the game. For the Broncos in the game, Teddy Bridge over Troubled Water, 18 for 25 for 179 yards. He had 2 TDs in the game. Melvin Gordon in the rushing realm. 24 carries for 111 yards, 2 TDs. Williams, 15 carries, 73 yards, 1 TD in the game. Font, 4 catches, 51 yards. Obokwe, 5 catches, 41 yards, 1 TD. Williams had 1 catch for 10 yards for a TD in the game. So the Lions just were just outplayed. And they were play, outplayed because they were playing, the Broncos were playing for Demarius Thomas. Plain and simple. The Lions had 17 first downs to the Broncos, 25 first downs. On third down, the Lions were 5 for 14, Denver 8 for 12. The Lions 3 for 5 on fourth down, Denver a perfect 1 for 1. The Broncos had 358 total yards of offense, 174 through the air, 184 on the ground. For the Lions, they had 316 total yards of offense, 198 through the air, 118 on the ground. Six penalties, 53 yards for the Lions. Two penalties, 18 yards for the Denver Broncos in the game on Sunday. The Lions turned the football over twice in the game. A fumble and an interception. Denver did not turn it over. The possession arrow went towards the Broncos at 32 minutes and 7 seconds to Detroit's 27 minutes and 53 seconds.
So the Lions falling to the Broncos. They now, okay, all right. So, so the Lions fans, here, here it is. We're we're headed down the stretch. We only got a, but we only got four games left in the season. One against divisional opponent, but Sunday's game is at home at Ford Field against Arizona, who just lost on Monday Night Football. One o'clock kick. Arizona's thirteen and a half point favorite over here for this game. Okay, here's a funny one too. Lions are already out for the next two games for the Lions. The Lions are not favored in any one of the games. They go to Atlanta after that. They're not favored against Atlanta. Six and a half point underdogs. They go to Seattle. There won't be an underdog there. There'll be an underdog there. And then they host Green Bay to end the season. There'll be a definite underdog there. Unless Green Bay decides that they want to, you know, sit most of their players, which they will. They will. So they can get into the playoffs. But of course, the Lions season coming to the end. And again, I say, again, Martha Ford and the Ford family just sell the team. Sell the team. The team that doesn't need to sell, they probably should be start selling some playoff tickets, possibly, are the Cleveland Browns. The Browns on Sunday, coming off of the bye, took on the Baltimore Ravens at First Energy Stadium. Now, I've had friends that were at the game. It was a ruckus crowd, great crowd on hand there. But it was Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett in the game to help propel the Browns. And I'll say this. If it wasn't for Lamar Jackson going down with the ankle injury, and we don't know what the extent of the ankle injury is. He's day-to-day. If he didn't go down in the game, I think the line, the Browns would have lost this football game. I, I, I highly suggest that. But the Browns built up a huge lead and almost browned themselves at the end of the game. They ended up winning the football game only by two. They, at one point, were up 24-9 in this football game. They were up big in this football game. And they couldn't close the door and shut it. But they did hang on to win. As the Browns defeated the Baltimore Ravens, improving their record to 7-6 and six, with a 24-22 win over the Baltimore Ravens. And now Baltimore goes to 8-5 and five in the division. In the game overall, let's take a look at the Baltimore stats. Lamar Jackson, before he went down for injury, he was 4-4 four for, four for 17 yards. But it was Huntley coming in after Lamar's injury to the ankle. He was 27-38 for 38 for 270 yards, 1 TD in the game. Freeman... 13 carries, 64 yards. Hutley also ran the football six times for 45 yards. Matthews, 11 catches for 115 yards, one TD in the game. Bateman, seven catches, 103 yards in the game for him as well. For the Browns, Baker Mayfield, a great outing. 22 for 32 for 190 yards, two TDs. He did throw the interception in the game. But Nick Chubb coming in, Kareem Hunt injured now this week going into this week's game. He, Kareem Hunt, by the way, two carries for five yards, but Chubb, 17 carries, 59 yards. Uh, Johnson, four, Johnson, four carries for 22 yards in the game, but Donovan Peoples-Jones was leading in the receiving core. He had five catches for 90 yards. Austin Hooper, five catches, 30 yards, one TD in the game, and Jarvis Landry, five catches, 41 yards, one TD 
in the game. The overall team stats looked like this for the Browns. The Browns, uh, the Ravens had 21 first downs to the Browns, 20 on third down. Here's the key factor of this. The Ravens were 1 for 12 on third down. That is unbelievable. The Browns 6 for 13 on third down. On fourth down, the Ravens were 3 for 4, but the Browns did not attempt a fourth down play. The Browns had 290 total yards of offense, 190 through the air, 100 yards on the ground. Baltimore, 389 total yards of offense, 271 through the air, 116 on the ground, 10 penalties, 125 yards for the Baltimore Ravens in the game. It's a lot of penalties. Harbaugh was not happy after the game with that one. Uh, Cleveland had four penalties for 42 yards. Two fumbles in the game for Baltimore. Two turnovers. The Browns had one turnover. That was the interception for Baker Mayfield. The, the Browns led in time of possession at 33 minutes and 50 seconds. The, the Ravens, 26 minutes and 10 seconds. So the Browns, big 24-22 win. They now get ready for some Saturday night football on the lake. Yes, Saturday night football is back in the NFL. We're going to have games Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Four days worth of football. Get ready for it, folks. And you mix in some spice in some bowl games into that. It is the perfect time of year. As the Browns will take on the Las Vegas Raiders at First Energy Stadium. 4.30 kickoff for that one on, on Saturday night. With that in mind, let's take a look at the rest of the games. In week 14 of the National Football League. It's time. Week 14 of the National Football League recap right here. On all Andy Alfred. Whoop! We begin with Thursday Night Football. As it was Kirk Cousins. And the Minnesota Vikings looking like the team coached by Hayden Fox. And Coach taking on Ben Rapus Roethlisberger and the Pittsburgh Steelers as it was a dominating back and forth game. And it was the Vikings denying the Steelers on the last play pass in the end zone. And Minnesota, a huge win, 36-28, saying to the Steelers, Curtain, not today. Goal, baby! As Roethlisberger, 28 for 40 for 308 yards, 3 TD, 1 interception. As Minnesota beats the Steelers, 36-28. Whoop! We then head into Sunday's action as it is chaos! Chaos, my friends! In Jacksonville as Urban Meyer and the Jaguars took on the Tennessee Titans. And it was tightened up, baby! As the Titans just rolled over, touchdown Jesus, Trevor Lawrence, and Urban Meyer's offense. As it was all Titans, as they shut out the Jags, 20 to nothing. Whoop! We head into Arrowhead, as it was Patty Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, taking on Derek Carr and the Raiders. And it was a murder in Arrowhead, as the Chiefs just Steam roll the Raiders. 
Mahomes, 20 for 24 for 258 yards, two TDs in the game, as it was the Chiefs, a big win, 48 to 9 over the Raiders. Whoop! We then head to the Meadowlands, as the day after Army-Navy, the J-E-T-S, sucks, 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 Jets took on the Saints. And it was all New Orleans in this one as New Orleans just put the shellacking, grounding the Jets by a score of 30 to 9. As it was Taysom Hill, 15 for 21 for 175 yards, as Zach Wilson was just an absolute collapse. Absolute collapse in New York. As he's 19 for 42 for 202 yards. As the Saints rolled over the Jets 30 to 9. Whoop! Pick one o'clock game, of course, of the day, as it was the Cowboys and Dak Prescott bringing their own benches to FedEx Field and the Washington football team, as it was Prescott. Not a great day for him. 22 for 39 for 211 yards, one TD, two interceptions. But of course, the Cowboys before the game said they were going to win and they won as they punished Taylor Heineke who was 11 for 25 for 122 yards, one TD, one interception as the Cowboys squeak by Washington 27 to 20. Whoop! We then head down to Carolina. I'm back, says Matt Ryan and the Atlanta Falcons as Matty Ice was dealing. 19 for 28 for 190 yards, one TD as Newton was not big at all. He was 15 for 23 for 178 yards. He threw an interception as it was the Falcons, a big 29-21 win over the over the Panthers and the Panthers in my opinion are done are done whoop we then head into the crap bowl known as Ryan Stadium in Houston Texas as it was the DeMarlis less Houston Texans taking on Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks and the Seahawks just flew in and absolutely bombarded the Houston Texans to a big win as it was Russell Wilson, 17 for 28 for 260 yards, two TDs in the game as the Seahawks beat up on the Texans, giving them their 11th loss of the season. Seattle 33, Houston 13. Whoop! We then get into the four o'clock slates as it was Herbert. And the lightning bolts bolt it up. Taking on the G-Men of New York. Glennon. Terrible. 17 for 36. 191. Two TDs, one interception. Justin Herbert is playing like he wants the MVP. And he deserves the MVP. 23 for 31 for 275 yards. Three TDs in the game. The Bolts take down the G-Men with the lightning strike. 37-21. Whoop! 
we go into the late games on Sunday. And boy, the two late games were, in my friend Logan's, Logan Carr's voice, perfect. As it was the 49ers, the wet jeans led by Jimmy Garoppolo, headed into Paul Brown Stadium and took on the Bengals. A tale of two games as it was the 49ers leading the entire game. Absolutely leading the entire game. And they let the Bengals back in to force overtime. The Bengals kick a, a field goal to take the lead. But Garoppolo leads them down the field. George Kittle was unstoppable. Like a cast iron kettle, he cannot be beat. Garoppolo throws a 12-yard touchdown return. As the 49ers beat the Bengals in overtime, 26-23, and tells the world San Francisco is still in the playoff hunt. Whoop! We then head down to Raymond James Stadium where Tampa Tom, Tampa Tom, what's the process? And I'm Gronkowski, Gronkowski. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers take on, trust the man, and Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. The Bills trying to find a way to win the game. They rally. And they force overtime against Tampa. But when you give Brady the ball in overtime, it's like when ask Patrick Mahomes, I'm never going to score. I won't score at all. Brady, absolutely torched, giving his 700 touchdown pass. Brady, 31 for 46. For 363 yards, two TDs, including the game winner to Fournette. As the Bucks raise the Jolly Roger and beat the Bills, and the Bills are in trouble. 33-27. Whoop! We head into Sunday Night Football on NBC as it was a rivalry game that everybody loves to see, including yours truly. Chris Collinsworth wearing the sweater with the turtleneck looking football tough in the slide-in became a cherry man as he put on a parka and a thick winter coat as they were battling in Lambeau Field as Aaron Rodgers, I don't have COVID, took on Justin Fields and the Bears. The Bears looking dominant in the game early on. Absolutely setting down Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers. But then all of a sudden Aaron woke up. And threw four touchdown passes. As the Bears fell to the Cheeseheads. 45-30 on Sunday Night Football. Whoop! And then we head to last night. At University of Phoenix Stadium. As it was the Arizona Cardinals with Kyle Murray. I'm the, I'm the chosen one. Taking on Matthew Stafford and the LA Rams. A back and forth game, a slugfest. As Matthew Stafford, led by Aaron Donald in the game, show why they are the top, should be the top team 
in the AFC West, in the NFC West, as they take down the 10 and 2 Cardinals, giving them their third loss of the season. As it was the Rams, a big 30 to 23 win. As Stafford was 23 for 30 for 267 yards. Three TDs in the game. Murray, 32 for 49, 383. He threw two picks. And that is the recap of Week 14 in the National Football League. We now head to Week 15. And a big Thursday night and Saturday night games to talk about. We start off with Thursday night football as the Chiefs. At eight, nine and four, take on a Chargers team that is bolting up in the right direction. Kansas City, a three-point favorite in LA at SoFi. I'm gonna take the Chargers over the Chiefs. And then Sun Saturday night football as the Browns, who have been stricken with COVID. Most of their team is COVID bound. Take on the Raiders. Cleveland a three-point favorite in the game. I'm still going to take the Browns in this one. And then the nightcap sees New England traveling to Indianapolis. The Battle of the Colts. Indy a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Trust the process. Bill Belichick says, trust the process. I will take the Patriots. So, Thursday, Chargers, Saturday, Browns, and Patriots. Those are the games that I look forward to the most this upcoming week. We will talk about Sunday's games on Friday, on Saturday's edition of All Andy Alford right here on the Anchor Network. But until then, this has been Week 14's recap of the National Football League. So that was Week 14's recap on all Andy Elford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you for tuning into the show tonight. Of course, like I mentioned before in the Week 14 podcast, of course, the Browns coming out today. Eight players added to their reserve COVID-19 list today. And it is a big list. Jarvis Landry out. Wyatt Tuck Teller out. Austin Hooper out. As well as Jarek Wilson Jr. out. You also have to add also. As Taka McKinley. Jojo Nelson. Natson, as well as backup guard Drew Forbes. And reserve tight end Ross Travis. Were all also placed on the list. All eight players. Were vaccinated. And are out as of right now on Saturday night as they take on the Las Vegas Raiders. So there's that for you to get into. We'll dive in more into that as we go on. COVID is running wild uh, in co- in the NFL right now, by the way. Uh, OBJ, Odell Beckham Jr. has been placed on the COVID list. And he just met with Randy Moss this past Monday night, yesterday evening, in in uh, in Arizona. So there's something for you right there. So we'll see how that all shakes out. But of course, 
the National Football League just ties it into what took place yesterday. Or not yesterday, but on Saturday as it was the famous Army-Navy game. And the Navy pulls the upset, beats Army. And I, I always said, always say, go Navy, beat Army. I have friends that are in the in both the Army and the Navy. But, of course, my good friend Helen, who is out in San Diego, is a, a part of the Naval Academy, as well as my good friend C.J. Blair, who also listens to the podcast. Uh, both Naval cadets. I thank you for your service. I thank everybody who listens to this podcast, who is a member of the military and a, a part of the armed forces. I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for your service and your duty to this great country that we live in. So it gives me the opportunity to give a podcast to talk about sports and everything like that. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. As the Naval Academy at MetLife Stadium got the huge win over the Army, beating the Army 17-13. to as it was the Naval Academy in the game. Uh, Latav, 4 for 6 passing for 82 yards. Both teams are basically a running team. Lavadka had 20 carries for 62 yards. He ran it two times into the end zone. Anderson, 7 for 15 passing for 108 yards for the Army. He also had 9 carries for 67 yards, 1 TD in the game as the Navy beats the Army 17-13. to So that ends the regular season for uh, college football. Of course, the big one, big news that was on Saturday, of course, is that Young has won a Heisman, so congratulations to him. And by the way, when they came out with the Heisman list, it was Young, uh, Hutchinson from Michigan, who I think deserves it. Uh, I forget the uh, the third kid. And then C.J. Stroud. Now, Here's why I have a I have a little bit of a beef. I have a little bit of a beef. Why CJ Stroud? He's the third best guy on that team. The third best guy on the team. Why not the kid from Michigan State? Why not the kid from Michigan State who absolutely led his team all the way? Helped dominate. And help Michigan State out. Why not him into the case for the Heisman? Why not? It, it just doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But of course, that now leads us all into Bowl Week. Bowl Week games are in session. It all will start on Friday. Two bowl games, and it's all Mid American Conference programs. That will take shape, and it will start it all off with the Bahamas Bowl this Friday, 12 o'clock Eastern on ESPN, as it will be the Middle Tennessee State Blue Raiders taking on the University of Toledo in the Bahamas Bowl. Toledo, a 10-point favorite in the game. I will take the Rockets in the game. and uh, It's going to be interesting to see how Toledo performs on the big stage to start the whole bowl season off. And they set the, they, hopefully they set the good tone to start the bowl season off with, you know, that's how it should be. You know, uh, the other game, Northern Illinois, the Mac champions nine and four will take on coastal Carolina, the green wave and the Tangiers cure bowl. That's at six o'clock on ESPN Two coastal Carolina, 10 and a half point favorite in that one. I am actually going to take the Huskies in that one. So, 
looking at the rest of the slate of games, of course, we're going to dive all into that here in just a few minutes. But uh, games I wanted to like poke out at going forward this upcoming week, going forward. One big one is Saturday night, 7.30. This is a funny one. The comedian who hosts the 11.35 show on ABC, Jimmy Kimmel. Yes, I said that right. Jimmy Kimmel has his own bowl game, the L.A. Bowl. Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl presented by Stifle. 7.30 kickoff of that one. Utah State, 10-3 versus the Beavers of Oregon State, who are 7-5. 7.30 on ABC. That's just, they're letting anybody have a bowl game. They're letting anybody have a bowl game, which is absolutely amazing. That's one for you right there. Monday, the 20th, the Myrtle Beach Bowl, Tulsa versus Old Dominion. 2.30 kick for that one. Tulsa, 9.5 point favorite on that one. The famous Idaho Potato Bowl, which I which I love, and Bowling Green has played in many times. At 7-6, Kent State take, takes on Wyoming, Wyoming, who is 6-6. Six six. Wyoming, a three-point favorite. I'm actually going to take the Golden Flashes in that game. But the big one, of course, the top rank, one of the top 25 rankings as UTSA 12 and 1 overall takes on 24th ranked San Diego State who's 11 and 2 in the Tropical Smoothie Cafe Fres, Fres, Fresno Bowl 7:30 on the 21st of December. UTSA a two and a half point favorite in the game. I am taking San Diego State. So with all that set in mind, let's take a look at the rest of the bowl games going forward. Let's take a look at the bowl games. They're going to all start up on December 17th as we're going to go through all the bowl games and my predictions as well for these bowl games, of course. You heard my national, the, the college football playoff. I have Michigan winning the whole thing, beating Cincinnati in Indianapolis for the national championship. But let's talk about the rest of the bowl games. It'll all start, it kicks off with the Bahamas Bowl as Middle Tennessee State University Six and six overall takes on the University of Toledo Rockets, who are seven and five. Toledo a ten point favorite. That kick is a noon kick on the on the two seventeenth. I am taking Toledo in that game. The Tangier Tailgear Cure Bowl. We'll see Coastal Carolina ten and two overall taking on the MAC champion. That is the Northern Illinois Huskies. Six o'clock kick on ESPN two. Coastal a ten point favorite. I will take. The Green Wave of Coastal Carolina to beat the Northern Illinois Huskies. Saturday slate of games, a big slate of games, by the way. We'll start off with the Boca Raton Bowl, roofclean.com Boca Raton Bowl, 11 a.m. Eastern. That's Western Kentucky, 8 and 5. We'll take on Appalachian State. App State, two and a half point favorites. I'm going to take Appalachian State in that one. The Peabug Mobile New Mexico Bowl. 7-5, UTEP versus Fresno State, who's 9-3, 2-15 kickoff for that one. I'm taking Fresno State. Here's the first-ranked games, by the way. UAB, 8-4 overall, will take on 13th-ranked BYU in the Rayleigh Technology Independence Bowl. That game, a 3-30 kickoff on ABC. I'm going to take the Cougars of BYU. The Lending Tree Bowl at 5-45 Eastern. Let's see both teams 7-5 overall. It's the Eastern Michigan Eagles taking on Liberty. And Liberty, eight and a half point favor than that one. I'm going to take the Eagles of Eastern Michigan to beat Liberty in that one. That's one of my upset specials. The Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl presented by Stifle. Yes, 
the Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl. Presented by Stuffle. Unbelievable. 7.30 kick on ABC. This is Utah State taking on Oregon State. Oregon State is 7.5 point favorite. I'm going to take Utah State in that one. I'm going to take Utah State in that one. 23rd ranked Louisiana takes on Marshall. Louisiana 12-1 overall. Marshall 7-5 overall. And the RL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. The game's in New Orleans. I'm going to take Louisiana in that one. Monday, December 20th, we'll see the Myrtle Beach Bowl presented by Tax Axe. 2.30 kickoff for that one as Old Dominion at 6-6 will take on Tulsa, who's 6-6. Tulsa, 9.5 point favorite. I am taking Tulsa in that one. December 21st sees Kent State. The Golden Flashes, the runner-up of the the Mid-American Conference, takes on Wyoming in the famous Idaho Potato Bowl in Boise, Idaho on the blue turf. 3.30 3.30 kick, Wyoming a three-point favorite. I'm going to take the Golden Flashes of Kent State in that one. And it will be UTES, University of Texas at San Antonio, 12-1 overall, taking on 24th-ranked San Diego State in the Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl. UTEP is UTEP is two-and-a-half-point favorites. I'm going to take UTEP in that one. I'm going to take UTEP in that one. December 22nd will be the Armed Forces Bowl. Wednesday, December 22nd, 8 o'clock kickoff for that one as the Army 8-3 will welcome in Missouri, who is 6-6. Army a 3.5 point favorite in the game. I will take the the Army Academy on that one. But remember, go Navy, beat Army in that one. On December 23rd, it will be the Frisco Football Classic as Miami of Ohio 6-6 overall battles North Texas, who is 6-6. I will take the Red Hawks of Miami of Ohio in that one. The Union Mortgage, Union Home Mortgage, Gaspala Bowl will see 8-4 UCF taking on 6-6 Florida. Florida, 7.5 point favorite in the game. I'm going to take the Knights of UCF in that game for you, which sets up Christmas Eve. Of course, one of my favorite bowls every year It is the East Post Hawaii Bowl as Hawaii who is 6-7 overall, will battle Memphis, who is 6-6. Memphis a 5-point favorite in the game. I will take Memphis on Christmas Eve. On Christmas Day, the Camellia Bowl on Saturday, December 25th, it will be Georgia State, 7-5 overall, taking on the Ball State Fighting Football Cardinals, who are 6-6. Georgia State's 4.5-point favorite in that one. I'm going to take Ball State. In that game. I think Dave Letterman's crew will get the job done. I will take Ball State for that one. December 27th. The the Monday after Christmas weekend. Will be the Quick Lane Bowl. At Ford Field. As it will be the Nevada Wolfpack. 8-4 overall. Taking on the Western Michigan Broncos. Who are 7-5. Nevada a one point favorite in the game. That came as an 11 a.m. kickoff. I will take Western Michigan in that game. Take Western in that one. The Military Bowl presented by Peltime will take on. We'll have the ball. The Boston College Eagles, who are six and six, taking on East Carolina, who is seven and five. Boston College at three and a half point favorite in the game. Two thirty kickoff for that one on ESPN. I am going to take the Pirates of East Carolina in that one. December 28th, a slew of games here for you. 20th ranked Houston will take on Auburn. Houston, uh, Auburn the favorite in the game, three-point favorite in the Ticket Smarter Birmingham Bowl. I'm going to take 
Houston in that one. Houston 11 and 2, Auburn 6 and 6. The Air Force will battle Louisville. Air Force 9 and 3. Louisville 6 and 6 in the Serve Pro First Responders Bowl. Louisville a one and a half point favorite. I'm going to take the Air Force in that one. Mississippi State. Mississippi State gets the bowl game. They're going to take on Texas Tech in the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. Mississippi State 7 and 5, Texas Tech 6 and 6, 6:45 kickoff. Mississippi State an eight and a half point favorite. I'm going to take Mississippi State in that game. 6:45 kickoff in that one. UCLA travels to San Diego to battle NC State, the Wolfpack, on Fox in the San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl. NC State 9-3, UCLA 8-4, 8 o'clock on Fox. NC State a one-point favorite. I'm going to take the Bruins in that one. The Guarantee Rate Bowl, it will be West Virginia 6-6, six six, taking on the Golden Gophers of Minnesota, who are 8-4. Minnesota a four-and-a-half-point favorite in that one. I will take... Row the boat and the Golden Gophers in that one. Wednesday, December 29th, SMU will take on Virginia. 11 a.m. kickoff in the Wasabi Fenway Bowl. That bowl game played at Fenway Park. SMU 8-4, Virginia 6-6. Virginia a one-point favorite. I'm going to take SMU in that game. I will take SMU in that game. Maryland 6-6 will take on Virginia Tech, who is also 6-6. In the New Era Pinstripe Bowl, that game takes place at Yankee Stadium. 2-15 kickoff for that one. Virginia Tech, a a 1.5 point favorite. I will take the Hokies in that one. Wednesday, the 29th of December, as 19th ranked Clemson, led by Dabo Sweeney and and that Clemson offense, will take on Matt Campbell and the Iowa State Hawkeyes. In the Cheez-It Bowl, 545 kickoff on ESPN. Clemson, a one-point favorite. I'm going to take Iowa State in that one, which sets up the Valero Alamo Bowl as two top 20 teams will battle each other out as the 14th-ranked Oregon Ducks, who are 10-3, will battle the Oklahoma Sooners, who are 10-2 overall. Oklahoma, a three-point favorite in the Alamo Bowl. I am going to take Boomer Sooner in that one, which sets up the... Three, four games that Thursday, the 30th of December, the Dukes Mail Bowl that's taking place in Raleigh, North Carolina, where the Carolina Panthers play at. It will be North Carolina, the Tar Heels, 6-6, six six, taking on South Carolina, the Gamecocks, who are 6-6 six six as well. Seven and a half point favorite are the, the Tar Heels. I'm going to take the Tar Heels in that one. 11.30 kickoff on ESPN. 3 o'clock kickoff on ESPN sees... The Transperfect Music City Bowl as the Tennessee Volunteers, Rocky Top, 7-5, will take on the Purdue Boilermakers, who are 8-4. Tennessee, a three-point favorite in that game. I am going to take Tennessee in that game. This is going to be technically a home game for that. The Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, which will be taking place in Atlanta, Georgia, will see the 12th-ranked Pittsburgh Panthers, who are 11-2, 12th-ranked in the country, Take on the 10th-ranked Michigan State Spartans, who are 10-2 overall. Pitt, a a 3.5-point favorite. I'm actually going to take Mel Tucker and the Michigan State Spartans in that one. The final game of the day on the the 30th, the day before New Year's Eve, will be the SRS distributing Las Vegas Bowl as 8-4 Wisconsin battles 8-4 
Arizona State. Wisconsin, a seven-point favorite in that one. I'm actually going to take Arizona State to beat Wisconsin in that affair. So then we set up New Year's Eve. Eve. New Year's Eve. The New Year's Eve Bowl starts off at 11 a.m. Friday, the 31st of December, as 17th Wake Forest battles 25th-ranked Texas A&M in the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. 11 a.m. Eastern kickoff. Wake Forest 10-3. Texas A&M 8-4. Texas A&M is a 6.5-point favorite. I am going to take Wake Forest. Washington State. Old Crimson. 7-5 overall will take on the U. Miami University, who are 7-5 overall in the Tony the Tigers Sun Bowl. Miami, a two-and-a-half point favorite. I am actually going to take Miami in that game. That game, a 12 o'clock kick on CBS. The big one, of course, I'd like to talk about today. Central Michigan University, 8-4 overall, will battle Boise State, 7-5 overall, in the Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl. That game, 2 o'clock kickoff on barstool.com. You would have to go to barstool.com to watch that game. Boise State, a a 9.5 point favor. By the way, Dave Portnoy, big cat on the call for that game, by the way. Uh, 2 o'clock Eastern for that kickoff. I am going to take Boise State in that game. Which sets up the two playoff games. Cincinnati versus Alabama, 3.30 kick on ESPN. I am going to take, of course, Cincinnati to beat Alabama in a close game. Georgia takes on Michigan in the Capital One Orange Bowl. I will take Michigan in that one. By the way, the uh, Cincinnati-Alabama game, that's the Cotton Bowl there, which sets up New Year's Day, the New Year's Six, which I love the most, one of my favorite Bowl days of the year. It's actually going to be the New Year's Five this year, as it will all start on New Year's Day at noon. As Penn State will take on Arkansas, who's twenty-first ranked in the country. Penn State seven and five, Arkansas eight and four. Penn State two and a half point favorites in the Outback Bowl. I will take Penn State to lose to Arkansas on that one. The Fiesta Bowl one o'clock Eastern on ESPN. As Oklahoma State ninth ranked in the country battles fifth ranked. Notre Dame, Notre Dame, two and a half point favorites. No Brian Kelly, as Brian Kelly has left the organization, has not left Notre Dame and is now going to coach at LSU. I am taking Notre Dame still in that game. I think their players can get up for that one. Oh, I think OK State is done. Gundy is done. 15th ranked Iowa takes on Kentucky at one o'clock on ABC in the Valero Ver- Verbo Citrus Bowl. Iowa 10 and 3, Kentucky 9 and 3. I will take Iowa in that game. Which sets up the granddaddy of them all. It's 11th ranked Utah. 10 and 3 overall will battle 6th ranked Ohio State, who is 10 and 2. Ohio State is 6.5 point favorite. I think Ohio State will win that game. Play it simple. Ohio State in the Rose Bowl this upcoming New Year's Day. It ends with the Sugar Bowl. 7th ranked Baylor. 11-2 overall battling 8th-ranked Ole Miss. Baylor, a 1.5-point favorite. I'm actually going to take Ole Miss in that game. And then that sets up the final bowl game before the national championship game as LSU, 6-6 six and six overall, takes on Kansas State in the Tax Acts Texas Bowl January 4th, 9 o'clock Eastern for that one. I'm going to take Kansas State 
in that game. And that will set up the national championship game, which I have Michigan versus Cincinnati. And I have Big Blue Michigan getting the job done and winning the national championships. There is all that for you guys, of course. It's going to cover all of the college football playoff as well as the college bowl season. We're going to replay a lot of this for the upcoming weeks on All Andy Alford to talk to you guys and get you set for bowl week, which will start the 17th. First bowl game, Middle Tennessee versus Toledo in the Bahamas Bowl. I'm taking Toledo in that one. So you just heard the whole bowl uh, recap, of course. Right here, the preview for the bowl games as well as my predictions as well. Now, I remember I taped that last week, so the lines have changed. So go ahead and check online to see what the lines will be for those games. Um, Like I mentioned before, by a national championship game, uh, the Final Four with it being uh, Alabama playing Cincinnati, and then I have Michigan playing Georgia. I have Michigan beating Georgia in in the Orange Bowl which is a sellout at Hard Rock. And then in the Cotton Bowl, I have Cincinnati pulling the upset and beating Alabama. So a four versus a two. Uh, And I have Michigan winning the national championship this upcoming season. So there is that for you guys. A lot to get into with that, to dive into that. If you have any questions or comments or, you know, want to voice your opinion about it, I want to hear for you right here on Facebook com slash all Andy Elford as well as on our Twitter account which is at all Andy Elford as you're listening to all Andy Elford tonight right here on the anchor network whether it be on iTunes Spotify Google Podcasts Pocket Casts Bleaker Stitcher however you're listening wherever and whenever you're listening thank you for tuning into the show tonight and now let's dive into it let's hit the ice let's talk a little bit about the team out down in the capital city of Columbus let's talk a little jackets hockey it's time for the jackets report It is time for the Jackets Report. And when I last left you last week, the Jackets were coming off of a huge win over San Jose, 6-4 on Sunday night, breaking the four-game losing streak. They then head into Toronto on Tuesday when I said that was going to be the test of this season. If the Jackets were for real or not, and boy, howdy, did they get their teeth kicked in in Toronto. And what's going to recap... All the games for the Jackets this past week, including coming up tonight as they take on Vancouver in the first in the second game of the Western Canadian slash North American road trip. Uh, America road trip. We'll talk about how, why I say that here in just a second. So let's talk about Tuesday as William Nylander started the scoring off for the Leafs on the power play from Austin Matthews and Morgan Riley. It was one nothing Leafs at the 4:43 mark of the first period, beating. Elvis Merce-Lincolns. Then, Nadi, then 11 minutes later at the 15.08 mark of the first period, Austin Matthews gets the tip-in goal from Bunting, who was making the play out front. Matthews, his 16th of the season from Bunting, is 12th, and Morgan Riley, his 17th, as it was 2-0 Leafs. Halfway, the, about, about five minutes left to go in the first period. And then Nick Ricci, then getting on the board at the 16:30 mark, not even a minute and change later, getting his first goal of the season from Cease, who is his fourth assist of the season. So after 20 minutes, the Leafs were pounding the Jackets. They were down three nothing, and I looked at my mother, who is a huge Leafs fan, 
And I just, she just was grinning from gr- grin to grin, looking at me like, "So you want to give up on this already?" I said, "No. We can we can make a comeback. We can make a comeback for that." And it did start off pretty well for the Jackets. It's Oliver Bjorkstrand on the power play, getting his seventh of the season from Zach Warinski and Boone Jenner on the power play, making a three-one game. And I felt at the eleven thirty mark of the second period, and I felt like, well, maybe we can make a run off of this. Maybe we can, you know, start something with this. It could be we could turn turn the leaf and may, might be, turn the leaves over, leaves over, and we could probably, you know, get back into this. But boy, howdy, was I wrong. Jonathan Tavares at the eighteen thirty four mark of the second period on the power play beats Elvis versus Lincoln's as four one leaves. Tavares from Riley and Nylander, four one. And then, right before the end, not even, off the faceoff, Matthews comes flying up the ice and gets it past Merzlinkitz again for his 17th of the season from Riley. It's 5-1 after 40 minutes. I said the boys weren't ready for this. If anything was ready, then I would have said that the they should have pulled Merzlinkitz after the Matthews goal. But they kept him in to the end of the second period. And Tarasov comes in. And that's when the Jackets started to turn the leaves. In the third period, not even 33 seconds, not even a minute into the third period, Oliver Bergstrand gets his second of the night, his eighth of the season from Jake Bean and Gregory Hoffman. It's 5-2 leaves. Jackets keep chipping and chipping and chipping. Corrali getting his fifth of the season off of the deflection from Alexander Texier. It's 5-3 Leafs from Texier and Robinson. Robinson getting the other assist, his sixth of the season. And then Max Domi, his fourth of the season from Jake Voracek, his 19th assist of the season. And Jack Roslovic with under a minute to play in the game with about a second left to go in the game. Domi gets his fourth of the season. It's 5-4 Leafs. That was the final. As the Jackets rally, but it was just not enough. The Jackets fall to the Leafs by a score of 5-4. to four. Riley, the number one star. Matthews, the number two star. Oliver Bjorkstrand, the number three star. The Jackets were outshot in this game, 40-32 to 32 in the game. The Leafs led in the faceoff dot. They led in all departments in this game. Led in the faceoff dot, 52% to 48%. The Leafs, two for three on the power play. The Jackets, one for two. The Leafs, four minutes in penalties. The Jackets, six minutes in penalties. Both teams had equal amount of hits and 18 hits apiece. The Leafs had 20 blocks to the Jackets, eight. Both teams had 11 giveaways, and the Leafs led in takeaways, 13-6. to six. Overall, Merzlinkitz in the game for the Jackets, a not great outing. He stopped 25 of 30, his save percentage of a point, 8-3-3. Tarasov came in and stopped all 10 shots that he faced. By the way, for the Leafs in the game, it was Campbell. The Soup Man stops 28 of 32. His save percentage went to an 8.875. So the Jackets fall to the Leafs. They come back to Nationwide Arena to take on an Anaheim Duck team that surprisingly was very good in Buffalo. If you haven't seen the goal yet, look it up on YouTube. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, as Crady from, from passes it out, plus the Michigan throws it out to former Jackets Sonny Milano, who just bats it out of midair. And scores it into the net. And the Ducks won the game. 
but it was Milano's goal, which is absolutely stunning. You got to take a look at it. Get a chance. I, I'll, you know, I'll post it on our Facebook page as well as our Twitter account, so you can take a look at it. But of course, the Jackets welcomed in the Anaheim Ducks, and it was a good game. The Jackets led in all departments of the game, especially early on, as Alexander Texier getting his ninth of the season from Eric Robinson and Sean Corelli at the 8:02 mark of the first period. It was one nothing Jackets. The Jackets getting out to the early lead, but then all of a sudden, not even a minute and change later, Lindstrom getting his seventh assist, seventh of the season backhanded goal, tying the game, beating beating Elvis Perslinkets. It's one one after twenty minutes, and that's what it stayed for the rest of the forty minutes. Sixty minutes elapsed, and it was. 1-1. Now, I will say this. Early on in the third period, Zach Wierenski scored a goal in the period, was taken off the board for an offsides. He was clearly offsides. You know, I thought maybe the Jackets would win that game because of that. Nobody scores in overtime. We go to a shootout. And Raquel Wins it in a shootout, beating Elvis versus Lincolns. Jackets fall two one, and go on a two game losing streak. Three stars of the game: John Gibson, the number one star for Anaheim. Texie, the number two star; Lindstrom, the number three star. Jackets outshot the Ducks in the game thirty four to twenty six, but the Ducks led in the faceoff department at fifty two percent to forty eight percent. Both teams over on the power play. Jackets had four minute, two minutes of penalties to the Ducks. Four minutes, the Jackets were out hit in the game, twenty to fifteen. They were out blocked in the game, twelve to eleven. They were out giveawayed, five to four. The Jackets led in takeaways, ten to nine. As Merzlinkins in the game stopped twenty five of twenty six to save percentage of a point nine six two. Same with Gibson stopping thirty three of thirty four. His save percentage is a point nine seven. One. So the Jackets fall to the Ducks 2-1 on Thursday night. They head into the great north that is Seattle, and they took on the Kraken. Now, this was the first time I got an opportunity to sit and watch a full Seattle game because they were playing Columbus. I, I saw bits and pieces here and there. I've seen the highlights. I watched the opening. I listened to the opening night game, for the first game at Climate Pledge. But this was the first time taking a look at the full arena, and that was absolutely stunning, beautiful, beautiful arena. It's going to be absolutely gorgeous to watch hockey games there whenever I get up to the Great White North. That's going to be fantastic. But the Jackets took on the Kraken. A big game. No scoring after 20 minutes of play. But then it started back, started up in the second period. The Jackets just absolutely dominated the second period. Bjorkstrand getting his ninth of the season from Jenner at the 8-13 mark of the second period. It was 1-0 Jackets. And then the Columbus kid himself, Jack Roslevic, getting his fifth of the season. Finally getting on the scoreboard from Max Domi and uh, Jakob Voracek. 2-0 Jackets halfway through the second period before McCann getting his 11th of the season from Jordan Eberle. 2-1 Jackets, but then the Jackets put the pedal to the metal, put the foot on the gas as Max Domi putting back-to-back goals, getting his 5th and 6th of the season from the 5th goal from Roslovic and Bean at the 16:43 mark of the second period. And then from Bjorkstrand and Jenner 
at the 1934 mark of the second period, it was 4-1 Jackets after 40 minutes of play. And I'm saying to myself, oh boy, can we, you know, shut the door? Can we actually win this game? We let Seattle back in this game. I just shake my head. Schwartz on the power play. From Doskoy and Giordano. 4-2 Jackets. Morgan Geeky getting his third of the season. From Appleton and Brandon Tanev. 4-3 Jackets. 4-0-4 mark of the third period. They scored two quick goals. In the span of 20 seconds. And then the killer at the 15-50 mark of the third period. Vince Dunn. His third of the season from Larson. And Gronchek. Ties the game at four. And we ended in regulation tied at four apiece. And I looked. I stayed. I took a nap before the game. I came downstairs, turned it on, watched it, enjoyed the second period. And I saw the collapse in the third, and I couldn't believe it. I said, there's got to be a way. We have to win this game. There has to be a way that we will win this game today. And it was. Voracek gets out the pass to Jake Bean, and Bean beats Grubauer. Roll that beautiful Bean footage. Jake Bean, his fourth of the season from Voracek and Corrali, 55 seconds into overtime. Jackets prevail, 5-4, get the win. That's back-to-back games. The two games that they have played against Seattle, with the Seattle becoming in existence this year, have gone double, gone to overtime. Lining was the winner in Columbus. Bean is the winner in Seattle as he was the number one star, Domi the number two star, and Vince Dunn the number three star in the game. The Jackets were shot by the Kraken in the game 32-29. to They led, however, the Jackets led in the faceoff dot 57% to 43%. Seattle 1-1 for one on the power play, Columbus 0-2. The Kraken 9 out hitting the Jackets 19-16. They outblocked the Jackets 11-9. They also had nine giveaways to the Jackets, 15. But the Jackets had six takeaways out of the whole situation in the game. Of course, it was Elvis Merzlinkis who basically kept the Jackets in this game the entire way, stopping 28 of 32. This save percentage of a .875 in the game. I mean, the game could have gone way out of hand. The For Grubauer, he stopped 24 of 29. His save percentage of a .829. So the Jackets, a big win They get back on the winning page. They will take on the Vancouver Canucks tonight in the big North, uh, the big American or Pacific road trip, Pacific Northwest road trip. As they are in, they were in Seattle on Saturday. They will take on Vancouver tonight. They will be in Edmonton on Thursday and then in Calgary on Saturday. Now that game Saturday against Calgary is a circle game in my opinion, because we don't know if Calgary will be ready for that game and, and I'll get to why I say that here in just a little bit with the with the NHL news and notes. But then after the Calgary game, they then get back on the plane and head back to the East Coast to battle the Buffalo Sabres on Monday night, the 20th, before they take on the, that same Sabres team on the 23rd 
of December and the day before Christmas Eve. And then a busy week span for the Jackets. They will then host Toronto on the 27th, in Chicago on the 28th. Then the day before New Year's Eve, they're in at home against Nashville. And on New Year's Day, they take on the Carolina Hurricanes at 1 o'clock Eastern. So there is all of that for you. That is the Jackets report. By the way, let's take a look at the standings going in to tonight's play as Florida is in the top spot in the Atlantic Division at 18-5-4 with 40 points. Toronto, with their win against Columbus, is now 19-8-2 with 40 points. Uh, Tampa is in third spot at 17-6-4 with 38 points. The Metropolitan Division looks like this. Washington, 17-5-6 with 40 points. Carolina, 19-7-1 with 39 points. The Rangers are 18-6-3 with 39 points. Wild card standings looks like this. Pittsburgh holding the top spot. At 14-8-5 with 33 points. Boston 14-8-2 with 30 points. The Jackets on the outside looking in at 14-11-1 with 29 points. The Red Wings are 13-12-3 with 29 points. The Devils are 10-11-5 with 25 points. Carolina, not Carolina, but um, Philadelphia 10-12-4 with 24 points. Buffalo 8-15-4 with 24, 20 points. The Islanders finally getting their first win at USBC Arena. They're now 7-11-5 with 19 points. And Ottawa is 8-16-1 with 17 points. The worst team in the Eastern Conference, it's a surprising note, is the Montreal Canadiens at 6-20-3 with 15 points. Western Conference standings looks like this. Minnesota is in the top spot in the Central Division at 19-8-1 with 39 points. The Predators are in second spot at 17-10-1 with 35 points. St. Louis 15-8-5 with 35 points. You have in the Pacific Division the Anaheim Ducks who are 16-9-5 with 37 points. Calgary 15-7-6 with 36 points. Edmonton is in third spot at 16-10-0 with 32 points. Wild card standings look like this. Colorado 16-7-2 with 34 points. Vegas is 16-11-0 with 32 points. Winnipeg is on the outside looking in at 13-9-5 with 31 points. San Jose is right there too at 15-12-1 with 31 points. Dallas 13-10-2 with 28 points. Uh, the Kings are 12-10-4 with 28 points. Vancouver, who the Jackets will play tonight, are 12-15-2 with 26 points. Chicago is in the 8th spot at 10-15-2 with 22 points. Seattle is 9-15-3 with 21 points. And the Arizona Coyotes are 5-20-2 with 12 points. They are the worst team in the National Hockey League. Looking at some news and notes around the NHL, like I mentioned before, Calgary is the big circle for the Jackets. Will the Jackets play against, against Calgary? I don't think so. Uh, as Calgary has been added to the protocol. They have post. They have nine members, including one staff member, uh, with pro with COVID. They have been post. They have postponed play until Saturday, which is the jacket game. I don't know if they will be able to play that game though. So we'll see what happens. Is Milan Lucic, Sean Monahan, and defenseman Noah Hannafin have all been priced into COVID nineteen protocol today. They join Elise Lindstrom, Andrew Magdapan, Brad Richards. Adam Rixkov, defenseman Chris Jivtanov, as well as Nikita Zansinov, and a member of the training staff who went into protocol on Monday. They all have COVID. They are all out 
and they have postponed their games until further notice. Other teams, by the way, uh, we're having a big COVID outbreak in the NHL too right now. Hurricanes. Carolina has postponed their game against the Wild. Um, between Carolina and Minnesota tonight has been postponed after four more Hurricanes have entered the COVID-19 protocol. Jordan Stahl, Andrew Sansonoff, Steve Loritz, and Ian Cole have entered the protocol on Tuesday, one day after Ford, Sebastian Ajo, and Seth Jarvis, and a member of the training staff, have been identified. So Carolina is going into COVID protocol right now. Brad Marchant has tested positive for COVID. He is out now. Him and Craig Smith both out with COVID. Barzell from the Islanders, COVID. He's out. Hyman for the Oilers is out. Got COVID. Devon Taves is out for Colorado. COVID. Braden Point is going to be back in the lineup for Tampa Bay. That's good news, though. And by the way, Big jacket news, by the way, for you here. Patrick Laine, after the service that he had with his father, has rejoined the team. He will be in the lineup tonight in Vancouver as the Jackets take on the Canucks. So there is that for you. Games happening tonight in the NHL. Besides the Jackets playing Vancouver, you have Toronto in Edmonton. You have Winnipeg hosting the Sabres. Uh, Vegas is in Boston to battle the Bruins. L.A. is in Tampa to battle the Lightning. You have the Senators are in Florida to battle the Panthers. Canadians are in Pittsburgh to battle the Penguins. Flyers are at home against the Devils. The Red Wings are at home against the Islanders. And then you also have the Blues are in Dallas to battle the Stars. By the way, Ben Bishop has called it a career after a bad knee injury. He is done with his career. Also, you have... Colorado at home against the Rangers. Seattle is in San Jose to battle the Sharks. So those are those games. Of course, tomorrow's TNT game, 10 o'clock Eastern. It'll be Seattle in Anaheim to battle the Ducks. 8 o'clock, it will be Washington in Chicago to battle the Hawks. And New York is in Arizona to battle the Coyotes. As you're listening to all Andy Elford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you for tuning into the podcast tonight. And let's hit the ice, continue hitting the ice. Let's go under the lights. Let's go to fifth third field. Let's talk a little walleye hockey and Winterfest as well. It's time to hit the pond. It's time for the Walleye Roundup right here on All Andy Alfred. So you just heard the uh, new intro. Yes, we're titling this section now since we have the Jackets Report. This is the roundup right here, the walleye roundup as we recap the Toledo walleye action on the ice from this past weekend as they 
were on the road for three big games in Iowa to battle the Heartlanders. And it all started off on Wednesday night in Iowa at the X-Team Arena in Corville, Iowa. As the Wally get a huge 4-0 win over the Heartlanders on Friday, on Wednesday night. It all started off with Alberts getting his ninth of the season from Dickerson and Grizzola. After 20 minutes of play, the Wally were up 1-0. In the second period, Marcus Vella getting his 12th of the season from Graffini and Albert at the 4.45 mark, mark of the second period. It was 2-0 Walleye. And then Brett Boeing getting his second of the season from Gazzola and Vela at the 9.34 mark of the third period, making it 3-0 Fish. Keenan getting the empty net goal, his third of the season. And that was the final as the Walleye getting a huge win as Caden Fulcher Getting the shutout, he stopped 19 of 19 as the Walleye beat the Heartlanders 4 to nothing. They outshot the Heartlanders in the game 40 to 19. Both teams were 0 for 3 on the power play. A short game, of course, time of the game, 2 hours and 22 minutes. Attendance, 1,245. That's bad for a Wednesday night. For Wednesday night in Iowa, 1,000 fans. Probably half of them were, probably a lot of them were season ticket holders. That's 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 kind of sad to see. So Friday night, the fish continued the road trip, and they fell to the Heartlanders for the first time this year in a shootout, as the Walleye, as Iowa started off the scoring for the in the game. It was Starling getting his second of the season for Cristiano and Oliver. It was one nothing Heartlanders after 20 minutes of play. For Albert getting his 10th of the season from Cole Frazier. And it was Albert his 10th from Frazier at the 435 mark of the second period. And then near the end of the second period, it was Hurd getting his first of the season from Hensick and Vela on the power play. It was 2-1 Fish after 40 minutes of play. But then in the third period, it was White from, from Iowa getting his first of the season from Yamura. It was tied at 2 after 60 minutes of play. Both teams did not score in the overtime period, so they headed to a shootout. It was Vela missing, Hensick missing, and Hurd missing. It was Smith scoring for, I mean, Wildmeyer scoring for the Heartlanders, and they get the win 3-2 in a shootout on Friday night. In the game, of course, the Heartlanders were outshot by Toledo in the game 35-33. Toledo 1-5 for five on the power play. Iowa 0-6. for six. Christopoulos stopping 30-32. of 32, Save percentage of a point nine two five. Uh, Kowalski gets the win. He stopped 33-35. of 35, His save percentage of a point nine five zero. So the fish fall to the Heartlanders in the game on on Friday, on Saturday, they took on the Heartlanders again and fall to the Heartlanders yet again by a final score of 3-2. to two. It was Toledo on the board first as Keenan getting his fourth of the season from Olski at 25 seconds into the first period, setting the tone for the fish. And then Alberts getting his 11th of the season in the second period from Hensick. It was 2-0 fish halfway through the 
um, in, towards the end of the second period before Iowa just pounded them in the third period. Amura, his fifth of the season from Skokie, and then 50 seconds into the third period, and then it was Golkey getting his third of the season from Wildmar. It was 2-2, and then to kick it all off, Yamura, his sixth of the season from Wildmar in Misley at the 6.07 mark of the third period, and that was enough. Caden Fulcher stopping 16 of 19 as the fish fall to the Heartlanders by a score of 3-2. Kowalski getting the win, stopping 36 of 38. Iowa was outshot in the game 38 to 19. They led in the fit and led in the power play department. They were one for three on the power play. By the way, the uh, the final goal in Yamura was a power play goal. They were one for three. Toledo 0 for four in the game. So the fish fall to the Heartlanders on Saturday night. They did not play on Sunday as it was a day off for the fish. Games of note to pass along for Sunday. Kalamazoo was a winner 5-2 over Indianapolis. Cincinnati beats up on Wheeling 4-1. And uh, uh, the last game for Fort Wayne, by the way, they took on Kalamazoo on that Saturday night. They beat up on the Wings 7-3. Games to look into this upcoming week. It will all start Wednesday night as the as it will be in the division-wise, Wheeling is in Norfolk to battle the Admirals. That's the only division game going on. Friday night, the Fish are on the ice. They will be on the road. They will be in South Carolina to battle the Stingery 705 puck drop for that one. In the Farmers Coliseum in Indianapolis, it will be the Indy Fuel hosting the Cincinnati Cyclones 7 o'clock puck drop for that one. Wheeling is in Norfolk to battle the Nailers. Kalamazoo is in Fort Wayne to battle the Comets. Iowa is in Kansas City to battle the Mavericks. Saturday slate, the Fish continue the road trip. They will head over to Greenville, South Carolina to battle the Swamp Rabbits. 7.05 puck draft for that one. 7.30 puck drops to Cincinnati in Fort Wayne to battle the Comets. Wheeling is in Norfolk to finish their series against the Admirals. You also have... Uh, other notes games, uh, Jacksonville is in South Carolina to battle the Stingrays. Uh, Orlando is in Allen to battle the Americans. Iowa is in Kansas City to battle the Mavericks. Sunday slate the 19th sees Indy in Kalamazoo. Toledo is in, again, to finish up a 305 puck drop against the Greenville Swamp Rabbits on Sunday. And then Fort Wayne is at home against Cincinnati, 505 Eastern. Puck drop for that one. Uh, games of note to go into the Christmas week. There is only one big game during the week that we will be passing along to you. Be, and there's not really that big of a game that week to pass along. But of course, the Winterfest game will be December 26th as Toledo will battle Kalamazoo at Fifth Third Field. And then, of course, the 31st. As Indianapolis comes to town, tickets are gone. There's no more tickets to be available. The only way you're going to get the coverage is right here on All Indy Offer. We're going to give you the coverage of Winterfest. We have tickets. We will give you coverage for that. Of course, if you follow us on our Facebook page, like you should be following us on our Facebook page, we do our famous first period intermission reports, as yours truly will be at Fifth Third Field for the Kalamazoo game on the 26th, 
will be breathing the cold sitting in section 117. So there's that for you right there. Of course, but looking at the standings going into this week's play, the Walleye are in the top spot in the Central Division at 13-6-0-1 with 27 points. Fort Wayne is in second spot at 12-6-2-0 with 26 points. Cincinnati 12-10-0-0 with 24 points. Wheeling 11-8-1-0 with 23 points. Kalamazoo 11-8-0-0 with 22 points. The Heartlanders are 7-12-2-1 with 17 points. Indy 6-11-2-1 with 15 points. The rest of the standings around the ECHL look like this. Newfoundland holding the top spot in the North Division at 15-5-1-0. With 31 points. The Lions are 12, 8, 0, and 0 with 24 points. You also have the the uh, Adirondack Thunder, Evan Pickett's Adirondack Thunder, 10, 8, 1, and 0 with 21 points. The Running Royals, not 8, 6, 4, and 1 with 21 points as well. You have the Maine Mariners at 7, 9, 3, and 1 with 18 points. And the Wooster Railers at 8, 10, 0, and 1 with 17 points. In the Mountain Division, sees the Iowa Steelheads at 14, 7, 0, and 1 with 0, and 1. With 29 points, Utah 13-8-1-0 and 0 with 27 points. Tulsa is 11-7-0-1 oh, with 23 points. Rapid City 10-10-1-2 with 23 points. The Stockton Thunder 10-9-1-0 oh, with 21 points. Allen Americans are 8-8-3-0 oh, with 19 points. And the Kansas City Mavericks are 8-12-1-0 oh, with 17 points. In the South Division, who the Walleye will be in, is the Florida Everblades at 11, 6, 2, and 3 with 27 points. Jacksonville holding the second spot at 12, 8, 1, and 1 with 26 points. The Orlando Solar Bears are 11, 10, 1, and 0 with 23 points. The Atlantic Gladiators 10, 9, 2, and 0 with 22 points. The Norfolk Admirals are 10, 11, 0, and 1 with 21 points. Greenville 9, 9, 1, and 1 with 20 points. And South Carolina, who the Walleye will start with, are 9, 9, 2, and 0, with 20 points. So that division is pretty much wide open to to interpretation. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out once we get later on into the season. Who's going to be in that South Division? Who's going to be playing playing for the Kelly Cup? Plain and simple. So there is that. Um, and that is all we have for you tonight right here at the Walleye Roundup. Of course, like I mentioned before, the Walleye will be having their Winterfest, which will begin this week as the Walleye will be playing outdoors in the friendly confines of 5th 3rd Field as they will be a lot to get into for this. The event, which will begin tomorrow on Thursday night, as it will have a balance of college hockey games, youth tournaments, as well as other events. Of course, it will all start Thursday the 16th as the University of Toledo takes on Bowling Green State University's club teams. The club teams will battle each other out. 8 o'clock, I will be in attendance for that game. Thursday night, I will get the first looks inside fifth third field for the club game as university of toledo takes on the bowling green state university and then it's a three-day tournament as winterfest youth hockey tournament begins as it will be three days of hot winterfest hockey from 1 30 in the morning 
1.30 in the afternoon to 9 o'clock on Friday, 7 a.m. to 9, a, 9 p.m. on Saturday, and Sunday, 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. for the Winterfest Youth Hockey Tournament. And then from 9.30 to 11 each night, the amateur hockey will be taking place free admission for all that. Monday the 20th, it will be youth hockey games, 8.30 in the morning to 5.15 in the afternoon. And then at 5.30 to 7.30, Finley High School battles Bowling Green High School, free admission for that one. 7.45 to 9.15, youth hockey games will take place on the ice at Fifth Third Field. On day six of Winterfest, it will be youth hockey and adult hockey games between 8.30 in the morning to 10.45 at night. The 22nd of December, youth hockey games will take place between 8.30 in the morning until 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Then at 6.30, you'll have to buy a ticket for this event as it will be St. John's battling St. Francis at 5th or Field. And that will conclude the day's events. December 23rd, the day before Christmas Eve, 8.30 to 11.45, youth hockey games. And then they were going to have a try hockey for free event from 12 to 1.30, that event is sold out for the game. But, of course, the Toledo Hockey Toledo Police Department will be playing their hockey game from 5.30 to 7.30 that evening. That is free admission. You can go to see that. And Anthony Wayne will play on Thursday night, 8 to 10 o'clock, free admission for that one. And then both Friday night, the 24th, Christmas Eve, it will be open skate from 10 a.m. to 10.15 p.m., the rink is closed on Christmas Day, and then we get into the big game. 6 p.m. at 5th Third Field, as it will be the Toledo Walleye taking on the Kalamazoo Wings in an outdoor game. And then on the 27th of December, it will be open skate, 10 a.m. to 10.15 p.m. The 28th Youth Hockey Tournament, of course, youth games from between 8 a.m. and 7.45. Then at 8 o'clock, it will be Lake taking on Whitmer, in a free admission game. And then the 29th is the big one for this one. If you want to circle this one, of course. Uh, youth hockey game between 8 a.m. and 10.45. And then the Toledo Walleye, Toledo Hockey Alumni will be practicing on the ice surface at Fifth Third Field. Free admission for that one. And then from 12.45 to 10.15, it will be youth Hockey, adult amateur hockey game, free admission. And then Springfield's club team will battle Bedford's club team at 2 p.m. that afternoon. Toledo Fire will have a hockey game on December 30th. Free admission from 12 to 2.30. And like I mentioned before, the big one. This one, you have to, if you are in the area, you want to go to this game. If this is a game, if you can't get into the walleye games this one I would I would highly, 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 highly recommend for this one. As it will be the Toledo Hockey Alumni will take on the Red Wing Hockey Alumni. 6.30 puck drop Thursday, the 30th of December. Tickets are available for that game. Plenty of tickets available for that game. 9.30 to 11 p.m. 9.30 p.m. to 11, 8, 11 p.m. It will be adult hockey free admission. And then on New Year's Eve, New Year's Eve 6 p.m. puck drop as Toledo will take on Indianapolis in the outdoor game. Tickets are are pretty much sold out for that game on the 31st. And then there will be two games, two more events after the walleye games on the 31st. It will be open skate on New Year's Day from 10 a.m. to 10.15. And then Sunday, this January 2nd, to conclude Winterfest from 8 a.m. to 11.15, youth hockey and all adult amateur hockey. And then 
Adrian College will have a doubleheader as Adrian will train in women's hockey. And then the men's game will be Adrian College versus Milwaukee School of Engineering. 7.30 puck drop for that one. And then it will conclude with adult amateur hockey at 9 to 10.30. And that will close Winterfest. 18 days of Winterfest, which will start this Thursday night, 8 p.m. Toledo versus Bowling Green at Fifth Third Field. You can visit the Walleye webpage, which is ToledoWalleye.com. Click on the Winterfest page, and you can see all the events for Winterfest, the schedule for Winterfest. Uh, Swamp Shop hours, by the way, for that, it's going to be, they have the list of uh, the times and everything like that for Winterfest when the gates are open for that. So there is that for the Swamp Shop and everything like that. If you want to purchase gear for the festival, of course, uh, you can schedule your times for Open Skate as well. And, uh, yeah, it is that time of year, and I can't wait. We're going to give you the coverage of the Walleye games for against Kalamazoo, definitely against Kalamazoo. Indianapolis is a little bit of a fence, fence turner for us. We'll probably be there, but I can't guarantee you that we will have coverage for that game. And there is a discussion that we might not make that game because of the college football playoff that's taking place that night. Um, just to let you guys know that ahead of time. And as well as it's New Year's Eve, we like to go out and party. So there is that for you. So a lot to get into. Winterfest starts Thursday night, 8 o'clock. Toledo versus Bowling Green. Be there. By the way, Bowling Green's actual men's hockey team will battle the Ohio State University Buckeyes at Slater Icehouse this Friday night. Tickets are still available. $20 gets you into the door to see probably one of the top one of the top 15 teams in the country in Ohio State battling Bowling Green. Bowling Green will go to Columbus on Thursday night to battle the Buckeyes. Then they'll return back to Slater Ice House on Friday for the home and home. Get your ticket for that one. That one's a good one. That is a very good one. So there's that for you guys. That's the hockey break cap. And that is Right now on the All Andy Elford Network, powered by Anchor. You're listening to us right here on the plethora of platforms, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you for tuning in. And now it's time to hit the end of the program tonight. It's time for Andy Rants. Now it's time for Andy Rants tonight. And I want to say before we begin, thank you so much for tuning into the show tonight. And if you haven't hit the subscribe button yet, then what are you doing? Hit the subscribe button. We do podcasts every Tuesday and on the weekends right here on All Andy Elford, as well as find us on Facebook.com slash All Andy Elford. So time for Andy rants tonight. And tonight's rant is a um, is actually a personal message to everybody out there. Of course, before we get dive into what next week is, next week is Christmas week for us. As we get you set ready for Christmas 2021, um, I am uh, ecstatic for Christmas to come around the corner. Of course, our first Christmas as a married couple. Looking forward to it. Uh, uh, the wife, unfortunately, is working Christmas Day, but we get to spend Christmas Eve together, and I, I just can't wait to uh, celebrate with her and celebrate with my family as well as. All our friends as well. And uh, 
I am just truly blessed to have such a beautiful, caring, and gorgeous wife. I love you, Amanda, so, so much. Uh, yeah, so Christmas is right around the corner, so... Uh, yeah, it, it, it's going to be fun. And um, so we're going to be doing a show next Tuesday. Um, uh, yeah, next Tuesday on All Andy Alford. And then uh, we will have, of course, the, the Walleye game on the 26th. We'll talk about that. We'll be there. The game, I'll probably have a post-game edition of All Andy Alford because that is a Sunday night, so Sunday football and then leads into the walleye game, which then will lead to Sunday night football. But we'll be fully focused in on the walleye game that Saturday, excuse me, that Sunday night. So there's that for you guys, of course. And I'm gonna make this. I'm gonna make a sign at the game, and I'm gonna write this out, and I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna say, Batman, Batman, CBJ. Versus Detroit, put the CBJ in blue and red, and Detroit in the red, in red, it's like at the at symbol the shoe. Because if we could get an outdoor game in in the East Coast Hockey League, they could do an outdoor game in Cleveland with the Monsters a few seasons ago. Then why not the shoe? And it all leads to what Andy rants tonight is. It's all about. The outdoor games. And I enjoy the outdoor games so much. Probably one of my favorite things to look forward to. I'll look forward to the Winter Classic. I look forward to the Stadium Series. I'm looking forward to Winterfest this year. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to watch. And it's going to be fun to be a part of and be at. Don't get me wrong about that. But I think, in my opinion, and by the way, this is going to be a two-part Andy Rants night. I think that the walleye made the wrong decision on what time of year to put this game in. Sure, I can understand why you're doing the Winterfest now this time of year. Of course, it's Christmas time. People are going to be home for the holidays. It's going to be, you know, a great event to go out with your family, to enjoy, to take it in and everything like that. And I understand that. That's a great it's a great marketing thing. But what about times in January or in February when it's really cold? This week, the temperatures are going to be in the 50s. We're 50 today. We're going to be at 60 tomorrow. And then Thursday night, it's going to be Thursday day, it's going to be in the 60s and it's going to drop overnight. And then next week, it's going to be in the mid 30s to 40 in some times. And then overnights are going to be in the 20s. And that's going to be fine for hockey weather. Overnight games, if you're going to play night games, it's going to be fine. But. I would like to see the Winterfest be taking place in January or in February. When we're into the deep cold, where the game really matters in cold, really cold weather and snowy weather. Because isn't it picturesque to watch some uh, your son or daughter play hockey on a frozen pond with the snow falling? That's what we tell our kids. And that's what we look forward to. And for me, that's one thing I, 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 I really love. And I understand that this is a cash cow situation of let's get everybody at Christmas and New Year's 
to come down for a walleye game. Why not just do the outdoor event in January and February? It's not going to bother anything with the with the ice being there in January. I mean, you, you're going to blow it off in January at the end of the Winter Fest anyway. They get ready to install grass. You can't install grass until March. So why not do the Winterfest in January and February or and or early February when the cold weather really sinks in and when it's really cold and when it's truly a winter fest instead of being a Christmas fest. I mean you're rushing, rush, 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 rushing around, trying to get Christmas shopping done, trying to go meet with the family for the holidays. Why not put it in January or February? The other thing, like I mentioned before, continuing on that on that note before I get to part two, is that like the sign is going to make why not have the winter why not have the winter classic in Columbus at the shoot? Now Ohio State is the big driving force and the bike problem because of that. Gary Bettman, a contingent of the Blue Jacket players, staff, management, as well as you know part ownership, met with Gary Bettman. In New York, when the Jackets were in New York, and they said basically the only pro- the problem to that is that Ohio State's plumbing situation in the shoe is not capable enough to be hosting winter events. Okay, so you're telling me that we can't have the shoe game because Ohio State isn't investing money into the stadium. So the ball's into Ohio State's court. We need to pressure Ohio State to do this because we cannot keep the record being a Michigan at Michigan Stadium with over 100,000 watching the Leafs battling the Red Wings. You can't. And like I said, it would have to be Columbus versus Detroit. I could not see being Pittsburgh. But I think Columbus versus Detroit at the shoe, Ohio versus Michigan, would be st- Stellar would be fantastic. I would get tickets in a heartbeat. I would sell a kidney. I would sell a liver. I sell my left arm to go to that game and to sit at the sit at the shoe and freeze my ass off. My wife would be there. I know a lot of my friends would be there. So let's make it happen. Balls in Ohio State's court. They have to improve. Part 2. We are now into through the third week of the MLB lockout. I'm going to bring this up every time. This is part 2-1. MLB's lockout is still going on. We're getting ready into winter meetings. It doesn't look good. I'm telling you, it just does not look good. We're not going to get a baseball season in Major League. We're going to get a minor league system, but the problem is it's going to be players that are under contract with the Mud Hens, not with the Tigers, because everybody under the PA, MLB PA, will not be playing. So it's going to be real minor league baseball for some aspects of it. And I'm I'm not very happy about that. I would love, I would love for this lockout to end. We need it to end. We need the players and the owners to come together and come to an agreement over this. 
it has to be done. And we're gonna or we're gonna have we're gonna have fans really be mad. Be like the strike all over again from '94. We just can't have it happen. Part two of two. It's interesting of what's happening in the world. Of course, COVID is going up. Now again, we see it in hockey. We're seeing it in the NFL. We're seeing it in the NBA. Um, but the thing is, we're, we're seeing it, but we're seeing a lot of people also getting vaccinated, which is kind of a like a double entendre that people are getting sick, but we're still being vaccinated. It's going to be with us, folks, you know, and especially with the holidays around the corner, we have to be careful of who we know and who we're with and who we're being with. I know for a fact when I'm doing this Winterfest stuff, I'm probably going to be wearing masks most of the time because I'm going to be around a lot of people. With the Omicron variant that's now out there and the Delta that's strong, the best medicine, the best case is the vaccine. So please. Please, believe in the science. Believe in the doctors. Believe in getting a shot. And if you're not going to believe a shot, please wear a mask. Please be safe out there. Merry Christmas, everybody. That's Andy Rance, and that's all Andy offered tonight. We'll talk to you guys this upcoming weekend on Saturday. For another edition of All Andy Alford. As we will recap the week. Jackets will be in Edmonton on Thursday. They're in Vancouver tonight. Puck drop's going to be here in about about 45 minutes. Uh, head downstairs. Pop some popcorn. Get ready for that game. Uh, then get ready for Thursday. As Winterfest will kick off. Toledo versus Bowling Green. We will be there. I'll have pictures. Uh, so follow our Facebook page. As well as our Twitter accounts. And uh, we'll get ready for the big college bowl weekend as Middle Tennessee takes on Toledo as Strack is down there enjoying the sun. Lucky bastard. And, uh, yeah, that's going to be it for all Andy for tonight right here on the Anchor Network. So until I talk to you on Saturday, and by the way, I do apologize. We didn't do a podcast on Saturday. It's my fault. I blame myself. Until I talk to you guys on Saturday, this is Andy Alford saying, I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together. Game of life. Keep your stick on the ice. And to the teams you root for at home. And to my teams. Go Jackets! Get the win tonight in Vancouver against Bruce Brudro. Go Walleye. Good luck in South Carolina. Go Falcons. Get the wins against Toledo. And against Ohio State. Go Lions! For some odd reason. I think they're going to get blown out by Arizona. Go Browns! Get healthy, my friends. Get healthy, my friends. And go State. Victory is sweetest. When you have tasted defeat, have a great week, everybody. I'll talk to you guys on Saturday. For another edition of All Andy Alford. I love you guys. Talk to you then. This has been a presentation of the All Andy Alford Network powered by Anchor. You have been listening to Andy right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, 
Leaker, however you listen, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. And remember, you can follow Andy on Twitter. It is at AllAndyElford. It is at AllAndyElford. Facebook.com slash AllAndyElford. Podcasts are posted every Tuesday and Friday right here on the Anchor Network.